Hey, this is Bradley Weber, and I'm super pumped that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Release City family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on our social media platforms at Release City Church or on our website at releasecitychurch.org. There, you can stay connected with what's happening within the ministry, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with other Release City family around the world. Now, I hope today's message encourages you and inspires you to run your race and become all that God is calling you to be. Now, let's jump into today's message. So, you ready for your weekly cop story? You know when I get up here, I'll give you guys a cop story. So it's Wednesday morning, no, Thursday morning, about 2 a.m. I'm sitting at the office and I'm, I'm helping some of my guys pull some video off of their patrol cars so they could finish up some of their reports. And I had two of my guys looking for a stolen vehicle near the area of Otter Creek that had been stolen out of Chief when we got word that it was going that direction. So I was listening and the, the guy that I was helping, he left, so there was no more patrol cars in front of me. And about that time, she keys up the radio and says that she thinks she's found it and that it's being followed very closely by another vehicle. So she's having a difficult time maneuvering her vehicle over to get the tag because it was being followed so close. So it has my full attention at this point. And I'm, I've been sitting there doing reports for several hours. I was running shift that night. No, I wasn't. I'll take that back. I was not running shift that night, but I was listening. And I had like my coffee in my lap and my phone on my leg. And, you know, when you sit there with the air conditioner running, it's hot and muggy at night this time of year. So your windshield's like glazed over with condensation. So you can't see nothing. And my sergeant's sitting right here beside me, and me and him are kind of talking back and forth. Well, about that time, she keys the radio up. And I knew immediately in her voice that something wasn't right. I mean, when you work with people every night, you know what they sound like on the radio. And just a very subtle difference in somebody's voice, it'll key you that something, something's not right. So I literally made eye contact with him. And I dropped my car and drive, and I just punch it. So I'm turning to the right, and I'm trying to deal with all this stuff in my lap, right? Because my phone's right here, my coffee's right here. <laughs> Yeah, it's about to get good. I was looking for the sheriff to walk in here, and I'm like, man, am I really going to tell this story if he comes in here? I was like, yes, I am. So <laughs> I'm turning the wheel to the right, and I'm trying to get my phone to where I normally have it so it'll ride. I'm trying to get my coffee over in the cup holder to where it'll ride because I knew it was about to be a ride. And I'm trying to get my windshield wipers to turn on so I can see where I'm going. <sighs> Another deputy had pulled up and had parked and was blacked out, right, literally right behind my laptop screen. Well, I was working on reports. I normally run, you know, when I'm driving with my laptop very dim so I can see better. And I had brightened it up, you know, because I was typing reports and reading other deputies' reports and such. So I really couldn't see nothing. <laughs> Needless to say, I turned, accelerated, and about the time I looked up, boom! He's sitting in his car doing reports. He leans over and he goes, bruh. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, they got brush guards on them. We're good. I might, I might have tore my brush guard up, but we are good. So I back up about six foot and I cut the wheel and I pull up and I see his car. And I'm like, oh, man. So at this point, my windows rolled down. 
and I look at him. He's like, yours ain't that bad. I'm like, you don't want to see yours. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that a Coke can holds up better than the cars that are built nowadays. Guys, I hit him at like, all right, I, I probably hit him at like 15. I was going to say 10, but it was probably more like 15 or 20 because I was getting ready to go. And before I forget, she was fine. It wasn't the vehicle, but what had happened was is it was a mother following a son. So the mother, of course, was drawn to the attention of the deputy trying to cut her off to get in behind him. And so when she lit him up to stop him, the mother pulled around in the front and got out and was like, what's the problem? So just for future, if you get pulled over, stay in the car, all right? Don't get out because it makes us nervous. It's not good when people jump out and start running at your car, okay? Just, there you go. So I didn't want to forget about what happened to her. She was fine. I was not fine. <laughs> so the next day, I come to work, and I go in patrol, and I work night shift, so I don't, I don't have to, you know, deal with administration, and I've been on nights. So <laughs> posted all over the patrol room. I wish I could show you this on the big screen, but I'm going to try to do it some justice, is several very large certificates that at the top say Mario Driving Award. <laughs> and it has my face. And then on the other side, it has a Mario Kart bumper car. And it says, Mario is back in the driver's seat and revved up to the max. This certificate is awarded to Adam Hires in recognition of valuable contributions to the funniest crash I have ever seen. <laughs> so in case y'all think I'm perfect getting up here preaching, I tore up a brand new 2020 patrol car Thursday morning. <laughs> and it's pretty bad. <laughs> so before I, before I get into the message this morning, I want to take, take the time to pray for Bradley real quick. Um, He's not feeling well. I don't know how many of you know this, but he's, he's at the house, and I say it like this. He's recovering. I don't like saying, Sarah asked me, you don't feel good. I'm like, I'm recovering. We don't say sick in my house. We're recovering. We're always getting better, always moving forward, right? We're not sick. We're recovering. So let's lift him up real quick before we start the message. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and I pray that you would bless Bradley and his family and just pray over the message this morning, Lord, that it's your words and not mine, because we know, Father, that people won't walk across the street to hear what another person has to say, but they'll come for miles, Father, when it's your word. So I just pray that regardless of what's on the paper this morning, that if anything that you want said to, to my friends and my family this morning, Father, that, that it would just flow through me. And we thank you for Bradley and know that he loves us and that he's probably watching this right now. And we just thank you for him and thank you for his family and pray that you would just heal his body quickly and supernaturally, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Amy was all over my message this morning, talking about <clears throat> her message this morning. When facing trials and tribulations, give me a minute, <clears throat> is what my message is titled, When They Come and How to Respond. So let's dive into this this morning. This is going to be more of a teaching sermon. I, I don't really plan on preaching um, like I do sometimes, but I will say this because I was thinking about this when I was thinking about telling the story and I was over there and Ansley was singing. I'm going to jump back to my cop story real quick. Thinking about whether or not to tell the story when the, if the sheriff were to walk in. 
and he'll probably listen to this, and he loves me, so it's okay. <laughs> Wherever you are, God has you. It doesn't matter if the sheriff's in here or not, because the sheriff didn't put me at the sheriff's office. God did. And when it's my time to leave, God will remove me from the sheriff's office, not the sheriff. And I'm not saying that in any disrespect to him. I love him. Me and him have a great relationship. But God is the one that's in control. So each one of you out there have your careers and where you are, God puts you there, not some person. Okay? So be comfortable with who you are. Okay? I have zero problems admitting that, yeah, my phone was in my lap, my coffee was in my lap, my window was glazed over, and... <laughs> There you go. <clears throat> I'll admit it, okay? All right, so let's dive into this thing. So what are we to do when we're faced with disappointment, disaster, and despair? Scripture teaches us that all things work together for the good of those that love God to those that are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. You're going to have to be quick with your pen because we're going we're gonna to shred the New, the New Testament this morning. Yet, when we encounter difficulties, we often wonder why. Searching for answers and learning to view bad things as good things in disguise are disciplines that God wants us to develop as we mature spiritually. When we respond to God's grace and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again into the kingdom of God. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our spirit. I'm sure many of you felt that before. I was at Union Baptist Church whenever I got saved, and when my brother-in-law, who's the preacher there, Travis Moody, did the altar call, I was at a point in my life, and I'll, I may get into that a little bit later, I was at rock bottom. And when he did the altar call, I'm not sure that I really had the option to say no, because I literally felt like I was floating as I walked up to the, up to the front to, to announce to the church that I had just received salvation. So the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our spirit. It confirms our relationship with God, comforts us, and leads us into all truth. God then begins the supernatural work of transforming us into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ, who was and is perfect. Amen? So as we mature in our faith, God uses tests and trials to develop our character and our ministry. If it wasn't for the things that Bradley tells us about all the time of where he's been and what he's gone through, he wouldn't be as good of a pastor as what he is. So when you see that and ministry, that's, that's part of that and our character. Anybody ever been in any trials and tribulations or going through them right now? Amen, amen. By responding to trials in the grace of God, we experience the power of God's Spirit, which will be manifested in our life through the Spirit, through the fruit of the Spirit, which is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, this is the Apostle Paul, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Thank you. And I'm going to give this to my wife because she's freaking out right now because she left her phone at the house and our babies are back there in the back. I needed it for my certificate. <laughs> so, <clears throat> here's a list of eight that I could come up with um, of the trials and tests that we encounter. 
So I gave a little brief description of each. So I labeled one fiery trials. That's intense encounters or struggles, bursts of anger, grief, or lust. Anybody ever been bursts of anger? Whew. Infirmities. That's going to be your physical limitations and illnesses. Reproaches, ridicule, ridicule and rejection on account of faith or holiness. Persecutions, harassment and oppression due to religious convictions. Necessities, the wear and care of daily responsibilities. Distresses, disappointments and deep hurts. Tribulations, unusual pressures and challenges and temptations, which are opportunities to yield to our sinful nature. Anybody ever been tempted before? Yeah, me too. So, the important thing about this and it's always my approach. It's always a matter of perspective. Me and, me and Brent are coaching a little baseball team and Miss Sally's son, Josh. And When you run them at the end of practice, their perception is, is like you're punishing them. But they don't understand, come June 19th in Fort White, it's probably going to be 100 degrees out there and we're going to play like three games a day. So if we just loaf off at the end of practice, it, they're going to be dead out there. It's all, it's all just a matter of perception. And it's the same thing when we face trials and tribulations. And I know Bradley remembers running for Coach Jamie. And, oh, God, man, about killed us. <laughs> but it, it's all a matter of perception. Am I, am I going to look at it as punishment? Or am I going to look at it as, no, this is something that God has allowed. This is something that God is allowing me to go through. So am I going to use it as an opportunity for growth? Because I've, I've found in my walk with him since I was 19, 20, but when I got saved. If you don't pass the test, guess what happens in school? You fail or the teacher lets you take it again, right? And I found in my walk with God that when we go into things with the wrong perception or we don't use it as a growth opportunity, chances are... God's going to hit the redo button and say, try again. Because he's trying to get us to a place always where we're more like Jesus. Didn't we sing that earlier? It's, it's, it's a constant pursuit of being more like him. So use these opportunities to grow so that you don't get the redo button hit on you and you get to start back over again. So the Apostle Paul regarded these tests as opportunities to grow spiritually, instead of despairing when he encountered trials. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul said he would glory in his infirmities so that the power of Christ would rest upon him. As we, like Paul, choose to trust God and accept the grace he gives us, Christ's character will be formed in us. Romans 5, 3-5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen, amen. Unless we accept God's grace to deal with suffering, inevitability is that we will become bitter. What you don't know about this message is I'm preaching to myself. Ten years of law enforcement, if you're not careful, will make you very bitter. Because I don't see guys like you every day. 
I see a different kind of people every day and the worst of people every day and families that want to kill each other over a dead person's property and items and then we show up out there and they don't want to hear the voice of reason. However, if we choose to trust God to bring about his purposes through the suffering, we can avoid the trap of bitterness and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Man, this message is speaking to me. We can be confident that God will not allow anything to happen to us without his permission. He will not let any bad thing happen to us that will ultimately bring us more good than destruction. That's something to fix your eyes on right there. He will never allow anything to cause more destruction to us than he will good. If we go into everything that we encounter with that mindset, we'll be a lot better off. That no matter how this pans out, even if I don't understand it, or it sucks, or it hurts, or it's painful, there will be more good that comes out of it than destruction. Amen, amen. So I'm going to give you five responses that are keys to enduring tests and tribulations. Number one is give thanks. Sometimes being thankful in a difficult situation is the most difficult thing that we can do. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. To be thankful rather than to complain takes a conscious act of the will and a sacrifice of natural desires. Unfortunately, most of us respond with murmuring and complaining, don't we? I do. When we face hardship of any kind, emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, financial, murmuring and complaining, right? However, Philippians 2, 13, 15 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Guys, his ways are higher than ours. His understanding is higher than ours. He sees the finish we see right now. I remember a message that Bradley preached when we, it's been a long time ago. He had like a hundred foot rope up here. And he just dipped the tip of it in some red paint, about an eighth of an inch of it. You could barely see the red when he held it up. That's our lives compared to eternity. And you think about that. God sees all of that down there. We see right there. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is, this is a continuation of that. Philippians 2, 13, 15. Sorry, I about got lost for a second. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Thanking God in all things does not mean that we thank God for evil. It means that we are thanking God for the benefits he intends for us when he allows things to happen. Amen. Number two is rejoice. Along with giving thanks, we are also instructed to rejoice in all things. Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Sounds easy. It's difficult sometimes, though. Thanking God is an act of the will, but rejoicing is a response of the spirit. Amen. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what our attitude is and if our attitude's sour. But if we thank him and we take time to understand what his, what his purpose is and we, and we remember that very first scripture that I read that he works all things out for our good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, then rejoicing's not a problem. Our attitude might be a problem to, to get it in check, but rejoicing won't be a problem if you understand that where you are and what you're going through 
is for a good purpose. Therefore, it is possible to be sad and joyful at the same time. We should try to discern the positive benefits that could come through the situation. We should ask ourselves the question, why did God allow this to happen? Tests and trials give us opportunities to come to know God better and to bring glory to God. You know why? Because people are watching us. People recognize you as a Christian, and they watch your responses. They watch what you say. They watch how you act. I'm not, I've told you this a thousand times up here. I don't get up here and toot my own horn, but I use examples of things that I've done right and things that I've done wrong just because I can speak for myself. I can't speak for somebody else. But I've been told a thousand times out there, a cop's never treated me like you have before. You treat me like a real person. It's all him. It ain't me. We can't do anything without him. The Bible says in him we move and in him we breathe and in him we have our being, right? It's not me, guys. Trust me, I wasn't this person before I got saved, okay? People are watching. Hit your neighbor and say, people are watching. It's, in, it's important that we remember that, and I think I used the analogy a couple times ago when I preached. If you're standing in a lit house, how far can you see in the darkness out that window? Right there. That's it. But if you're standing in the dark looking into a well-lit house, can you see all the way through it? They're watching, okay? The Bible says we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the world. People are watching us, and our responses and our attitudes and our reactions to things are being watched. Just keep that in mind, and we're not going to be perfect always, trust me. The Apostle Paul stated in Romans 8, 14, 18, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer for him, that we may also be glorified together. And this is my favorite part of this scripture. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen, amen. I'm going to read it again because that's powerful. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's power. When we experience a trial, we must choose by faith to put our trust in God. This choice will help us be more objective and consequently more alert to the reasons why God has allowed this trial to occur. That's what we've been talking about. It's perception. We're not running the kids to punish them. We're running them to prepare them. We're in this trial... And we have to have the right perception because he's preparing us for something more. If we got handed a million dollars right now, it'd wreck us. Because if it wouldn't wreck us, we'd have it. Okay? The devil don't have no problem with 50 Cent and Eminem and all them being rich. And I said this up here before doing tithes and offerings. He don't have no issue with that. Because they're not going to use it for the right purpose. And, I, and maybe they've changed and, and I'm just speaking to what I know. I don't, I don't keep track of the news and all that. The devil doesn't want us to have a million dollars. Because he knows it's going to go into building a new church. And it's going to affect people that are suffering. And I'm not taking, I don't want to talk about that because the miners did such an awesome job. But he's preparing us for more. And I'm telling you, I'm on the financial committee here. Our ministry has never been where it's at right now as far as financial stability is concerned. Ever. And it's because of you guys. And there's a blessing coming back to you if you're not already getting it. That is just going to, she said it, she read the 
one of my favorite scriptures about tithing. She read it. It's, it's, it's going to overflow. So as we deal with difficulties, remember the following truths. Gaining intimate knowledge of Christ exceeds the value of gaining more possessions. That's backed by Philippians 3.8, where Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. When you look at money as a tool and not something that possesses you or something that you can use for your own selfishness, just consider it, he says, garbage. That's pretty harsh. I don't really consider my money garbage. But he's just using it as an analogy to allow it to be a, a substance of which flows through you and not something that controls you. And then God can give you more. Developing stronger character is more important than getting in your own way. Hebrews 5.8 backs this. Son, talking about Jesus, Though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So we ain't going through nothing he didn't go through. It says right there, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So shouldn't we have to do the same? Demonstrating self-control is more heroic than dominating your competitors. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight: Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Eternal treasures are more valuable than earthly riches. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Amen. Number three is believe and act on the word of God. When Jesus was tested in the wilderness, he responded to each temptation by quoting scripture. For example, when Satan urged Christ to turn stones into bread... Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We can follow Jesus' example and successfully engage in spiritual warfare by proclaiming truth in the face of tests and tribulations. Right? Having that word in you. Spending that time with him reading his word, studying his word, getting to know him on a more intimate level so that when we go through these things, you're not going to forget what I said today. You're going to know it yourself and say, well, this is for my good, even though it sucks. Ephesians 6.17 describes the word of God as the sword of the spirit, the only offensive weapon in our spiritual armor. You guys know our armor? You know what? I'm going to give it to you anyway. Helmet of Salvation. Breastplate of righteousness, the good news shoes, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. The only offensive weapon we have, the sword of the spirit, right? The word. We got to use it, guys. Got to use it. Don't mind me. I mowed grass yesterday. My allergies. Woo. Jesus said in John six sixty three, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are also the authority by which we proclaim by which we claim the promises of God, since we are told in John fifteen seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. That's awesome. As we meditate on the truth of God's word, which is living and active, we can learn to effectively battle the enemy of your soul, Satan, with the sword of the Spirit. 
Number four is cry out to God. I believe the greatest reason God has for putting us through the trials of life is to bring us to the firm conclusion that we need God. If we'll get to a place in our life where we need God, whew, the stuff that he can do through us. A little bit of my testimony, some of you know this already. Like I said, please, please don't think I'm tooting my horn. I'm just, I'm just being real, guys. When I was in school, I was athletic, pretty popular, wore pretty nice clothes, made straight A's. I felt God knocking in high school when I was out doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. I felt him knocking. I, I grew up in church, and I knew and felt it, but I didn't need him. It's important that we get to where we need God. Because you heard me say earlier that when I finally found salvation, I was at the bottom. That's because I had had a child out of wedlock. Me and his mother weren't together anymore. And I was at rock bottom. Because if you're not careful, the devil will take your greatest passion and he'll turn it into a weakness. My greatest passion growing up, and some of you know him, my dad would give me the shirt off his back right now. Don't, don't take this the wrong way. If I needed something, he would give me anything that he had. But as far as having a dad in my life, I've played over a thousand baseball games probably, and I can count on one hand how many times he was at my games. So my greatest passion growing up was to be involved in my children's life, was to be there for them, not just be the provider, but to have a relationship with them and play in the yard with them, and be at their baseball games, and whatever they're interested in, even if it wasn't baseball, just because I was a baseball player, I want to be involved in it. But the problem was, when I got with his mother, I wanted all those things, and I wanted to be all those things, but I didn't know how. Okay? Just because we want something, but we don't know how to do it the right way, doesn't mean we're going to be good at it. Right? So until I got saved, and I hit rock bottom... I didn't know how. And then God will bring people into your life. He'll bring people that will teach you. And if it wasn't for my brother-in-law, I wouldn't be half the husband or half the daddy that I am. Because when, when I hit rock bottom and I started going to Union Baptist and I got saved, I, I was at Tracy and Travis's house almost every day. And it was in those times that I learned and watched Travis be a dad and be a husband to Tracy and taught me the right way so that when God brought Sarah into my life, and I'm not perfect, and she knows I ain't perfect. She'll tell you I'm not perfect. But I'm a lot better than I was, and I'm still a work in progress. So we got to get to the part, the perception that we need God in all things. Because just because I was a straight-A student, it didn't matter. Just because I was athletic, it didn't matter. We can be all those things and still need God. We have to. Because we do, and we'll wreck it if we don't. So what is God's purpose in giving us commands that seem impossible to carry out? He desires to work powerfully through our lives. Therefore, we must learn to depend on Him. And I said it earlier, we cannot handle God's power if we don't depend on Him. He can overload us, but He ain't going to give you more than what you can handle. But the more we go through these trials and the more we go through these tribulations, the more he can trust us with, okay? And we can handle it and it won't, it won't wreck us. 
So he alone must become our source of strength, provision, protection, and direction. God has the ability to protect us from every trial or distress. Instead, he often chooses to deliver us in the midst of trials. Psalms 50:15, we are told, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. So see, we've got to recognize that it was him, because it says you will honor me, not yourselves. Right? God's goal through our trials is to strengthen our dependence on him. We must trust him to work in the ways and in the time frame that will produce the most good in our lives and the most glory for his name. As we call to the Lord in our distress, he will deliver us. I stress time frame because that's a tough one for us. I've been there. It's funny. Uh, Chris asked me the question earlier if I worked in dispatch. I think he forgot I was in dispatch for almost three years. I, when I got out of the police academy, the sheriff's office wasn't hiring. So I prayed about it. I had, I didn't even, <laughs> I've never even sat in front of the sheriff, any sheriff and interviewed for a position. This is, this is how God appointments works. This is how divine appointments work. So I was praying when I got out of the police academy, I went back to work on the farm that I worked on for so long just to kind of, blow some steam off and get in the tractor and chill out for a little while. Started praying about where I should apply. So I applied to Chiefland Police Department, Levy County Sheriff's Office, and I think Dixie. I got an interview for dispatch at the Sheriff's Office. It wasn't what I had in mind because I was ready to get in a patrol car. But when I went and met with Donna Caps, we were both in tears when I left there. That's how divine appointments work. I didn't sit in front of the sheriff. I didn't have an interview. I literally, me and her left, and she called me back and said, you're starting this day. That was it. So about halfway through my training to become a dispatcher, I go to ABC Pizza to eat lunch one day while I'm working, and all of the command staff for Chiefland PD was in there. And I'm at the salad bar getting a salad. So... <laughs> 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 may go hit that salad bar after church so anyways they all looking at me and I, I you, you know you people looking at you you can feel it so I'm just minding my own business so Al Graves says Adam as I'm walking trying to get to my seat before he says something because I felt it coming him and Ray and all them were sitting there and uh I looked and they're like come over here come over here I'm like gosh here we go so I'm sitting there eating and it's just small talk and of course, before I could leave, Al Graves looks at me and he says, if I offered you a job right now, would you come? You can't run away from where God wants you to be. You've got to stay under that wing. The Bible describes it as the cleft of the rock because where his will is for you is his blessings. And I took just a second and I hesitated and I said, I can't. Because I went back to that meeting with Donna Capps where we left there both in tears. And I knew that I was in the right place. I'm, I'm still on time frame. I'm not chasing rabbits. You got to stay where he wants you to be. So when you have a divine appointment and you're where, you're, you're where somewhere he wants you to be, whew, you stay there. But it don't always happen in our time frame because I wanted to be in a patrol car. So two and a half years later, I'm sitting in dispatch, and many of you have heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again because there's a lot of new faces in here. 
I'm sitting in dispatch two and a half years later, and I'm at a very bad place in my life with my career because I watched deputies be hired that cheated off me in high school. So I'm stuck in dispatch, and there's people out working the road doing the job that I want to be doing that cheated off me to graduate. That don't sit very well. And I went to work that morning, and I told her that if God didn't give me a sign that I was where I was supposed to be, I was leaving. My deputies, my corporal, my sergeant, my lieutenant had all told me, Adam, you've been here long enough. You've trained dispatchers. You don't ever take off work. You work hard. We'll all write you letters of recommendation right now to go wherever you want to go to get on the road. That day, I'm sitting in dispatch. Noel Ramirez, he was murdered in Gilchrist County. Me and him were really, really good friends. Used to work out together, kids' birthdays. He walks into dispatch, and if you knew Noel, he was always joking. Always pranking, joking, laughing. That was just him. He was a light. So he comes in, says good morning, you know, blah, 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 like they did every morning. He turns to walk out. And then all of a sudden, I see, because there's like six monitors in front of you in dispatch, I see his head pop up over the computer, and he's looking at me with this big old smile on his face. And I'm like, what? So he walks around behind me. There's a, there's a desk back here behind me, and he just leans up against it. I just kept my back to him because I was doing something. He's like, bro. That's what he always said to me, bro. I'm like, what? I didn't even turn around. He's like, I was on my way to work this morning. I was like, yeah, I'm glad you made it. He says, no, for real. He's like, I almost forgot. He's like, I was on my way to work. And he's like, I wasn't even praying or nothing. And he's like, I just felt God tell me that I needed to tell you that you need to be patient, that he's got something great for you. True story. Stay where you're supposed to be. That was a trial for me. Those two and a half years were a trial. But God knows what he's doing. Because when I did get out on the road, I know how to do things now that deputies don't know how to do. Shelly can tell you that was my first trainer right there in dispatch. There she is. Awesome lady. I love you. Love you. I can run criminal histories. Deputies don't have a clue how to run a criminal history. I can find previous registered owners to vehicles when we got a vehicle beside the road and I need to know who it belongs to or who it did belong to, blah, blah, blah. I can do all that. God knows what he's doing with where you are. And it will, she knows, started at Taco Bell, went to Mitch's, went to school health, and now central staffing at Shands. God knows what he's doing. Just trust the process. Amen, amen. Number five, overcome evil with good. Oh, I need to hurry up. All right, I'll hush. Jesus gave his disciples a clear set of instructions about responding to those who made life miserable for them. These directions are completely the opposite of what we would do naturally. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Guys, if we're going to be like Jesus, they ain't going to like us. Okay? Life ain't hard till you become a Christian. When you ain't a Christian, you do what you want, when you want, how much you want, drink how much you want, be where you want. It ain't hard till you become a Christian, okay? I'm just, I'm just being real with you. They're going to they're gonna not like you. It, just, it is what it is. I got a lot of friends that were my friends in high school. They don't like me because of what I do. I'm the same person. 
They just don't like me because of what I do. Such responses would never be a person's natural tendency, but they do reflect the heart of God. Romans 12, 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. God promises to give, to give a blessing to those who reward evil with good. If we react to a person who offends us and become bitter toward them, we actually put ourselves in an emotional prison. You ever been there before? Pissed off at somebody? Man, I think about that junk all the time until I get over it and forgive them. I'll be putting thought into it like I'm mad at somebody because they irritated me with their pettiness. And then you just, you got to forgive them because you're in prison. And I think about it a lot. That's just me. Am I preaching to myself? Bitterness will control our thought life, our emotions, our free time, our health. In order to be freed from prison, we must forgive. Scripture provides many examples of those who forgave offenders, including Job, Stephen, and Jesus Christ. Job's companions were about to encounter God's wrath, but Job prayed for them, and God delivered Job. It doesn't say he delivered them, it says he delivered Job. This is Job 42.10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Stephen prayed for God to forgive his murderers, even as they were stoning him. Acts seven fifty nine sixty, And they stoned Stephen, who was calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep. It doesn't say anything about them. It talks about Stephen. It says he fell asleep, so he wasn't in pain anymore. Because Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, we are among the group of people he released when he said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think about that for a minute. All right, I'm almost done. I'm about to close. So, the rewards of responding with grace... Number one, the strength of godly character. And I've already read this verse. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, is given, who has been given to us. Number two, these are rewards for responding with grace while we're going through trials and tribulations. Okay, just in case, because I sped it up a little bit. These are rewards for responding with grace when we're going through crap. The strength of godly character, that was the first one. Exceeding joy in God's glory. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Number three, you're going to be rewarded with God's strength in our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You're going to be rewarded with fellowship with Christ. Philippians 3, 8 and 10. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. This is Paul speaking. And some of these scriptures I've hit through my 
through my sermon today, but I'm hitting them again because these are rewards when we go through trials the right way and with the right perception and needing him and trusting him. Philippians 3, 8 and 10. What is more, I consider... Did I just read that? I'm going to skip over that scripture because I've already read it to you. So fellowship with Christ is another reward. Heavenly rewards. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're not the first ones, guys. Reigning with Christ. We're going to get to reign with Christ when we go through trials and tribulations and we go about it the right way. 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. God has a, this is it. God has assured us that he will not permit us to be attacked with trials or temptations that are too overwhelming for us to handle. He will grant us grace to be overcomers. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13, the Apostle Paul exhorts us with these words. This is the most, this is it. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful and don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amen. I love you guys. I challenge each of you that when you're going through crap, think about this and go to these scriptures and read them so that you're encouraged so that we can make it through because we need each other, right? Love you guys. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media or head over to our website at releasecitychurch.org and click on the giving link and help us to continue to share the message of Jesus and his hope with the world. God bless you. Have an awesome week.